Yes, indeed. It is the Tuesday of Championship Week, and we are back in on another edition of the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am the somewhat lucid, somewhat rested, somewhat capable host of the program, T.J. Reeves. I will have distinguished guests joining me to help me sort through all of this. Straight ahead, Deshaun Tate. Mr. Tate's Take Hoops will be on the program to give me some breakdown out of the ATL ACC country, but Deshaun also a big, big 10 guy, figuratively and literally. And plus, besides those two conferences, we've got some championship games that are going on for automatic bids tonight that I want to ask him about. Deshaun Tate coming up in just a few moments later on in the show, depending on when and how you're hearing us. Chris Dobertine will be back here from bloggingthebracket.com, the SB Nation family of sites. I look forward to talking with Chris about the conference tournaments getting underway, some of them concluding, obviously, with automatic bids. But most importantly, we'll play some in or out with him as he has been blogging the bracket for weeks, for weeks on who's in, who's out. We're about to find out on Selection Sunday coming Sunday night. Reminder, however you found this show through a social media link, etc., it streams top and bottom of the hour on TuneIn on the Tag Sports Group channel. Go under Sports, go under Tag Sports Group, streaming on TuneIn, top and bottom of the hour. The show will start back over. Hear us constantly. You will want to lock in on that TuneIn channel. New shows throughout the month of March, live shows after games have been going on, etc. We'll go live on that channel as well. Tag Sports Group on TuneIn. Lock in there. In podcast form, find this show via Apple Podcast under College Basketball Coast to Coast. New episodes come out. If you subscribe, you get an automatic notification, a ding on your phone that a new edition will be here. And you're going to want to do that because over and over and over again, there are going to be new shows primarily in the preview mode, but sometimes in the recap mode through conference tournament play this week. And then hallelujah, the NCAA tournament 2021 about to be played starting next weekend, Thursday night, all the way through Monday night. NCAA tournament games in the first of the second round, first four, first and second round, all playing five straight nights. Subscribe to this show, College Basketball Coast to Coast via Apple Podcasts, and you won't miss anything because you'll get a notification immediately when a new one is up. So I love that. With all of the promoing out of the way, let me welcome in from Tate's Take. Love his insight on the podcast, the show uh, via YouTube, via Facebook. Uh, via podcast, wherever you get those. Deshaun Tate in Atlanta, also with 92.9 The Game, the sports radio station in Atlanta, and their March Madness coverage. You hear Deshaun on frequently right now this time of the year, and I borrow him right now for college basketball coast-to-coast. How you feeling, my friend? Because we are now getting everything underway with Championship Week. It is here. How are you? I'm outstanding. Thanks for asking, TJ. I don't know if that was a trick question or not, but listen. What other sport do you know brings colleagues together for a little bit of fellowship first thing bright and early on Monday morning following Selection Sunday? And I'll give the, the, the same way that the March, Mac, March Madness Brackets does. I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a hint. OK, it's not the football squares leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. That's for sure. It's all about the upsets, the buzzer beaters, the five versus 12 matchup. We saw a 16 beat a one recently. The best and most unpredictable three weeks in all of sports. 
college basketball March Madness. I'm excited. I'm ear to ear right now. Well, yeah, because we were uh, we were on the cusp of having all of this unfold for 2020. And as we all know now, it came to a screeching halt and we got none of it. So we have been jonesing for a calendar year. We have been jonesing to get to this week. It is now here with all of these different games. So again, I want to go over several things. You're in the heart of ACC country with Georgia Tech having done very well, but a lot of the ACC schools in and around you. You have ties uh, being originally from uh, East Lansing. Uh, Michigan State is your school. You're from Michigan State. So we're going to talk, obviously, about them. I believe they are solidified. You do, too, now as an at-large team, regardless of what happens in the Big Ten tournament coming in Indianapolis. So I want to talk those two conferences. But before we get into both of those, we got automatic bids going back out again tonight across the board, whether it's the CAA, the Colonial, whether it is the Horizon League. And again, I make mention that I have affinity for that tournament because for the previous six years, I broadcasted that tournament on TuneIn for various reasons and factors. I'm not able to be there in Indianapolis. Talk about jonesing, Deshaun. I can't be there tonight for Cleveland State and Oakland University, the suburb of Detroit at the time that we're taping. Uh, in that uh, automatic bid matchup in the Horizon League in Indianapolis. West Coast Conference Tournament has the two favorites, Gonzaga and BYU, both advanced in their Monday semifinals. Gonzaga looks darn near unbeatable. Let's begin right there and work backwards. So that's the late-night game on Thursday night. Is Gonzaga unbeatable? This would be a third crack for BYU at them. BYU had to go to overtime late night uh, in Las Vegas just to make this championship game. What kind of shot do you give BYU in the third matchup, or is this Gonzaga just rubber stamp, another win, another title? Yeah, I don't think uh, a really great shot for, for BYU. I've seen crazier things happen. We're in March now, so we know that it could potentially be uh, a loss for Gonzaga, and I know that that sounds crazy, but for some of those people who believe that it's best to go into the NCAA tournament with a loss already under your belt, as if that kind of uh, helps a little bit, uh, I'm not a believer in that necessarily, but, you know, we talk so much about teams like Gonzaga and at one point, obviously, Baylor and Michigan, where you see so many positives and reasons for optimism, but you never really talked about much of the weaknesses. And while I don't think Gonzaga necessarily has a lot, they do tend to turn the ball over a little bit more to, than my liking at 12 turnovers a game. And you got to find a way to uh, not just speed them up, but I think for a team, maybe, I don't know, in the NCAA tournament, maybe somebody like a Florida State or somebody experienced, disciplined athletes, uh, teams like that, that, I think that could give Gonzaga some trouble. But for, as far as tonight with BYU, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue at all. And I don't know what that spread is, but whatever it is, I got a good feeling that, that the Zags <laughs> are going to cover it. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Uh, Gonzaga, by the way, by 14. And I did see the stat. And again, you may already know the result. If you're hearing us late night, Tuesday night via TuneIn or the podcast, you're hearing us Wednesday morning, you may already know, was it a close game? Did BYU somehow upset them? Gonzaga beat them both times by double figures. In fact, with the win over St. Mary's on Monday night, Gonzaga has now won 22 games in a row, hello, by double figures. So I don't know what kind of challenge this will be. I guess there's an argument, real quick comment from you. If they struggle, if they shoot poorly, they're not used to close games in the final minute Mm -hmm. or two. That's one of the things that that stat says. Maybe that's hope for BYU real quick if they can keep it close. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. I think anybody has a chance, especially this time of the year, no matter how bad you are or 
whatever the case may be, if you're able to keep it close with some of these more powerhouse, uh, traditionally powerhouse and elite teams, and that's what Gonzaga is, then you always have a chance. You're able to get off that bus and go in there and play the game. It's 40 minutes. I expect for it to be a game that's definitely going to be close within the first half, at least, if not anything else. Uh, but in the second half, I, I think it's going to turn into being something a little bit different. And I, I, I like what Gonzaga is able to put out there as far as their starting five. Now, I think the difference maker uh, for them sometimes is going to be how far deep down that they can go on their bench in the event that they get into foul trouble. They have to prevent that. They've got a stud freshman in Jalen Suggs who you have to make him uh, force him to make some some freshman mistakes. And we haven't seen that all season long. Uh, and, and so those are some of the things I think keys to success for the opposition in ways that they can maybe come out with adding a number to the left side of the result column. And clearly they're going to get tested at some point. If it's not tonight and it's not in the, mm-hmm. it's probably not in the first round against the 16 seed, but at some point game two, game three, they're going to get tested. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's an interesting, just file it away that they have not had a close game for a long time in January, February, March to really have to make free throws, guard, key possession, one possession game, something like that. Let's see how they respond for Mark Few's team. So that's the late night one. I want to work backwards to the Horizon League, then I promise we're going to talk ACC and Big Ten with you for just a moment or two as Deshaun Tate is with me here. Uh, Give me something on the Horizon League where Cleveland State's the number one seed. They escaped a triple overtime quarterfinal a week ago on the home site just to get to Indianapolis. They had to come from behind and beat Milwaukee, a team with a losing record, coming from behind to win on Monday night in the final minute. And now they play an Oakland University team. Again, the Detroit suburb is not the Oakland A's or the Oakley old Oakland Raiders. This is Oakland University, Detroit suburb. A, an Oakland team that was 0-9 to begin the year has won their way into the automatic bid championship game on Tuesday night in Indianapolis, what about this matchup? Again, we're looking forward to it at the time that we're taping for Tuesday night. Somebody's going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that is going to be a good one. Head coach Greg Campy, who's been there for what feels like forever, uh, has done a phenomenal job with that program as of late. And it's been that way for quite some time. And even in addition to that, you start talking about Oakland. They're a closer game than Michigan State's liking. And not only that, I don't know if it says more about Michigan State's defense defense at that time or Oakland's offense, but Oakland can score some points. They came really close to being up in the 90s against Sparty at that time. So that's something that uh, that uh, Cleveland State definitely wants to keep their eyes and ears open for without having much time to prepare because it's such a quick turnaround from yesterday's game into today's game. And I still think that Milwaukee uh, was even leading Cleveland State in some surprising fashion on yesterday's game. So uh, Cleveland final, State clearly... If I can interject, in the final two minutes, sure. they were winning mm-hmm. the game. Uh, Milwaukee so Cleveland State's been tested twice and has come through and this is an Oakland team as we like to say this time of year like at the casino not that I'm a big gambler they're playing with house money they have a losing record they've got they pulled a couple of upsets they've got nothing to lose here they they won in overtime themselves on their home floor uh, back a week ago and now they upset Northern Kentucky the defending champions and knock them out on the neutral floor in Indianapolis we'll see about that one tonight and again Automatic bids going up in the Northeast Conference, the CAA. Uh, We're going to be excited about all of that. I got about four or five minutes left with you. And again, I promise you, you'll be back at various times as all of this is going on later this week. Selection Sunday night, I want you. Go ahead and pencil that in to Sean Tate as well. Mr. Tate's take. 
But the ACC tournament's getting underway on Tuesday. So, again, at the time we're taping, we don't know the results. Duke is in action with Boston College. Mm-hmm. Do you agree, quick, quick answer, answer, that Duke basically has to win the tournament? That's the only hope. Even if they get two or three wins on the neutral floor in Greensboro, it will not be enough without the automatic bid. What say you, real quick? No, I think that Duke can get in without winning the ACC tournament. I think the biggest difference maker is who's going to be there uh, to play them, who's going to be there on the way to play uh, Duke in that event. So, of course, as we're looking at it right now, Duke has Boston College up first. I think they'll take care of Boston College. Louisville has beaten Duke earlier this year two times already. I think that Duke will go ahead and take care of Louisville. Well, as Louisville you know, beat really- them, if I can interject, in overtime a Correct. week ago in Cameron. So this is a revenge game and a revenge situation. Sure. And Louisville looks like a team that is in right now in the ACC. So that would be a good win. And then Florida State is looming If you win that, oh, goody, Florida State's looming in the quarterfinal. So you believe if they get a Louisville win and a Florida State win on the neutral floor, Duke's at least on the radar real quick, right? Yeah, I I still think that they would have one more game to win and at least get to the championship round uh, of the ACC tournament. But listen, we're talking about Duke being out right now. I understand that. They beat Boston College. They beat Louisville, who it's really hard to beat Duke three times. And then a Florida State team who has not particularly looked all that great over the course of the last few games. Now we're having a different conversation about Duke getting in. You get one more after Florida State and at least get to the championship game, even if you lose in decent fashion. I think Duke's in because they got a little program prestige to go with it. And that's a good point. The name on the front of the jersey, we were talking about that with Matt Zimmick yesterday about UCLA. If there's a chance to put UCLA there, they're going to put them there. If there's a chance to put Duke there, even in the first four, they're going to put them there. Uh, your Michigan State Spartans overcame that with a nice quality win to close out the year, senior day at East Lansing. I, I don't believe they're in the first four. I believe they're all the way in because of that. So we won't, we won't ever know that question about whether or not they would have been in with the two Michigan losses and whatever they do in the, in the Big Ten tournament because they won one of the games. Uh, just one more on the ACC, and then I want to move quickly to the Big Ten tournament getting underway in Indianapolis. Georgia Tech, you're in Atlanta. You're doing work with the FM Sports Station 92.9, the game Georgia Tech with the double buy all the way into Thursday Josh Pastner uh, the coach his players Alvarado and those guys got some key wins down the stretch they beat Duke themselves they they earlier in the in the season beat North Carolina they beat Syracuse say something about Georgia Tech that's in the top half of the draw with Virginia here and may very well be playing Clemson come Thursday just say something about the uh, Yellow Jackets real quick Yeah, it's very rare that you're going to have a Georgia Tech team that beats Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke all in the same season and potentially be looking at the outside, looking in and getting into the NCAA tournament. I think that they're a lock or all but a lock to get in. They got the ACC player of the year uh, on that roster as well. Head coach in uh, Josh Pastner always talks about getting old and staying old. They have exactly that. They've got the backcourt. I think that the X factor probably is Jordan Usher for them. Uh, but nonetheless, listen, if there's a team to take and you want to try and make a little bit of change on this to win the ACC conference tournament, I think that team is Georgia Tech. Let me say one last thing to you, TJ. This time last year, they ended up getting uh, a fifth seed in the ACC tournament, obviously didn't get a chance to play it. This time last week, they were eighth in the ACC. Today, they're fourth in the ACC. Yeah, they had bad losses at the beginning of the year, but man, did they finish with a flourish as they won their final six games, uh, including winning at Virginia Tech 
beating Syracuse and Duke at home. And now let's see what they do in the tournament. I believe Georgia Tech is firmly in. Uh, it's not going to be enough time, but I know you're smiling ear to ear over Sparty getting in. This is going to be some kind of Big Ten tournament uh, when it gets underway on Wednesday night. Minnesota Northwestern, Nebraska, Penn State playing Wednesday night. Michigan State, we already know, is playing Maryland in the 8-9 game, a revenge game for Michigan State, and then potentially the third matchup is right there looming Friday afternoon in the quarterfinals with Michigan. 30-second take on the Spartans here in the draw in the Big Ten tournament real quick, Deshaun Tate. Yeah, they've won five of their last seven games uh, and three of them against top five ranked teams in the AP poll, something that's tripling what anybody else has been able to do against the top 25 or against top five rather. But I will say enough to say it's a revenge game from the previous Sunday against Maryland where Maryland won at home. And uh, you find a way to win that game, again, without a solidified point guard or any uh, uh, players in the front court that's extremely effective especially from an offensive standpoint uh you you were talking about going into a game again against Michigan and while it's on a neutral site I don't necessarily believe that that's one that Michigan State will win can they win it's a rivalry game sure but in conclusion this is March this is when Tom Izzo typically brings his team with him to play the best brand of basketball and as you know he gets more out of his players than probably anybody else in the country particularly this time of the year all right, if I say to you, uh, what else intrigues you? Uh, just give me a team that intrigues you. Purdue, Illinois, and Iowa got the other double buys into Friday. Ohio State has lost four in a row. What else intrigues you here in the Big Ten tournament, Indianapolis? Quickly, Deshaun. Well, I'll tell you what intrigues me. Uh, in the event that Illinois, uh, maybe Iowa or, or, uh, or Ohio State some way, somehow, in the event that Michigan does not win the conference tournament, one of those three teams, being Ohio State, Iowa, and Illinois, could solidify their spot as the last and final number one seed outside of Michigan, Baylor, and Gonzaga. I think that that's going to kind of speak volume a little bit about some of those teams because they're not just playing for a conference tournament championship many of them are playing for a number one seed in the very last number one seed and we'll see because the big 10 might get two of them as you're mentioning depending on if it's michigan and then and then somebody else wins the tournament we'll find out if that's the case plug away again i've been mentioning your uh your handle plug away for all of your shows deshaun tate on how we hear you how we find you Tate's Take, anywhere you find your favorite podcast we also stream live on uh on youtube as well as on uh on, on Periscope, amongst other places. Uh, find me on Twitter at Tate's Take Hoops, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S. We like to call it where basketball lives. That particular podcast, Tate's Take the Podcast, I call it the best, the most entertaining, the most informational, and the most educational basketball content on the planet in the form of a podcast. So go, uh, go, go tell your mama, go tell your grandmama, and go tell your baby mama. Tell everybody about Tate's Take the Podcast. I love that. Tate's Take Hoops is where you find it. Deshaun, thank you. I'll have you on again as all the madness unfolds. Enjoy the extra TVs, the extra screens for the ACC, the Big Ten, and all the tournaments that are going on as part of Championship Week. Thank you, sir. Thank you much, TJ. Appreciate you for having me. I love the insight of Deshaun Tate. And now we get to bring in, as mentioned here, as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast, I love me some blogging the bracket.com and the purveyor of that site the sb nation college 
uh, bracketology site for this time of the year is Chris Dobertine joining me from the Midwest, where he's happy to report that it has thawed at least somewhat. There is some sign of spring that is going on and hoops galore everywhere. Chris, good to welcome you in on college basketball coast to coast as we have just bonkers college basketball, automatic bids, et cetera, everything going everywhere. Good to have you, my friend. Hey, TJ. Yeah, the windows are open. The sun's out. It actually feels kind of like March. It feels like, you know, it feels much, much different than it did at this time last year, to be honest. Uh, no doubt. All right. So you are Mr. Blogging the Bracket and the NCAA tournament. And by the way, we should plug that on bloggingthebracket.com, you have a Tuesday late morning release with your latest projections of who you have in or not subject to change. And we're headed to Selection Sunday. So we plug away for Chris bloggingthebracket.com, and I'm going to refer to that uh, a little bit, including with the results from Monday, looking ahead to Tuesday. Uh, UNC Greensboro, UNCG is a team that's kind of intriguing. They won the SOCON tournament game uh, last night with Mercer. They are in uh, now on an automatic bid. They're one of the programs getting to celebrate along with Liberty, Loyola Chicago. I'm going to probably leave one out. All the, all the other ones that have also automatic qualified here. Several more will automatically qualify on Tuesday, as we keep saying, and this show is out on Tuesday. But give me something on UNCG. Is that a team that if they end up being like a 15 playing a two, and I don't know where, you, where you're going to slot them in, you tell me, can they be dangerous when we're looking at bracket upsets right away? Well, they're going to end up a little bit higher than that. They're going to end up as a 13 or a, four, or a 13 or maybe even a 12, depending on how things break, you know, when conferences like the Mid-American, the Big West, Conference USA. I have Western Kentucky as a 12 right now. Who knows if they're going to make it through there? But UNCG has one of the best point guards in the country in Isaiah Miller, and that's a player that you were going to want to know and you were going to want to pay attention to coming up in the coming days as we get into the field. I mean, he's six foot. He can he can dunk like nobody else pretty yep. much in the country. He has some impressive ups, great passer, you know, great defender. That's the guy that you're going to want to keep an eye on. And, and you know, the SOCON has gotten better over the past few seasons. I mean, you think back a couple of years ago, there was thought that they might get two bids. And they look like a conference with the way that Furman and ETSU and Chattanooga to an extent have gotten better and Wofford. And look at it, you know, Mercer coming in as a seven seed play, pushing them really tough. That's a conference that I think as the years go on is going to get to the point where it's going to consistently be a threat to have a second bid. And they're the type of team that's kind of leading the way on that. And they're going to have a great shot, especially if they get in a 5-12 matchup. That would be a team that I would keep an eye on as a potential upset pick. All right, UNCG. Watch out for them. And the Isaiah Miller kid can rebound. He's tough. Great story. We'll keep an eye uh, on them. Um, all right, so we already talked some about the West Coast Conference Tournament, and it plays out with the top two seeds. That's the late night Gonzaga-BYU at the time that Chris and I are taping. But also the, on the opposite end of that is the CAA Championship game where Elon is going to play Drexel. I heard from a buddy of mine, uh, one, of my, one of my good friends this time of the year, who's a Drexel grad, and he was relentless sending me messages, Chris, about the Drexel Dragons getting into the championship game. These two teams combined to beat all of the four top seeds at the CAA tournament. So again, some may know the outcome if they're listening to us after Tuesday night. Chris and I don't know that, but Elon and Drexel is what this tournament 
the NCAA tournament's all about because somebody will have played their way in that was not going to be in from the CAA because they've got two upstarts, a six seed and an eight seed playing for the automatic bid, right? Uh, and, you know, these are two teams that have not been to the tournament in Elon's case ever. Wow. And Drexel's last trip was in 1996. And then you think about, you know, poor Hofstra who lost to Elon last night. You know, they were all set to make their first trip last year since 2001, and they didn't get to do it. Yep. So, yeah. And, and the thing is, the CAA was a, was a conference that was hit really hard by COVID. So, you know, neither team has played a lot. They didn't meet during the regular season. We had a lot of instances of that in the CAA tournament this year. So this is, you know, a league with probably looking at, you know, no matter who wins tonight, even though Elon is an eight seed, they've been playing so well, you know, in the last over the last couple of weeks because they had opportunities to actually get out there and play. I think either one of those teams that, you know, gets in is going to end up probably on line 15 this year. All right. Interesting from Chris Dobertine with us for a few more moments. It's college basketball coast to coast. Again, we're streaming top and bottom of the hour on tune in podcast form on Apple podcast under college basketball coast to coast. We'll even have some live shows, including selection Sunday night on the tune in channel on tag sports group. Look under tag 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 sports group for free on the tune in app or on TuneIn.com. And that's where we are uh, with this program, College Basketball Coast to Coast. You know what I love to do with you. I love to figure out who is still alive, who still has work to do, and who may be all the way out. Let's do it officially right now. Who's in In or out out for the big dance in March? And here we go with conference tournaments getting underway. We already talked ACC and Big Ten just before you came on with my man Deshaun Tate of Tate's Take, the podcast. Now I've got Chris Dobertine here uh, here with me from bloggingthebracket.com. I want to go to the Big East tournament that's getting underway on Wednesday night, Madison Square Garden. Again, limited friends and family only right now uh, for that. It's not going to be near the same atmosphere that it has been. Uh, okay, talk to me about the Big East. I want to talk about a couple of teams that are mm-hmm. definitely right now. Xavier, one of them, 57 in the net. Uh, Seton Hall, 58 in the net. Do you have either one of them in? Do you have both of them out? Do you have one in and one out? What do, what do you have at the Big East tournament right now? I have Xavier just above the cut line, largely on the strength of the fact they beat both Creighton and Oklahoma at home. Seton Hall, one game over 500. I had them out and actually pretty fairly far out. They're one of those teams that's going to have to actually, you know, pick up some nice wins, you know, at Madison Square Garden. They've got a couple decent road wins and having beaten Xavier, they've beaten UConn, but they just had so many opportunities against teams like Villanova and Creighton, lost to Oregon on a neutral floor when they played. Um, out in Omaha way early in the season back in December, lost to Louisville by a point in a major, you know, bubble-type game back in November. So they're going to have to – and they have two really bad losses against Rhode Island and against Butler, which are sub-100 teams. So so Seton Hall definitely has more work to do than Xavier, but Xavier can't slip up in their, in their first Big East tournament game on Wednesday night. All right, so again, how they do on the neutral floor may have something to do with it. Uh, I've only got a couple of minutes left. I want to keep playing in or out, but a quick comment on Villanova. With the loss of Gillespie, they've got another significant injury. They are damaged goods right now. If they were to bow out immediately in the Big East tournament, how much in your mind does that hurt Villanova's seed, those injuries and a quick loss in the Big East tournament, hypothetically? 
I kind of kept him on that three line just because, you know, hey, it was the first game against Providence without them. You know, let's see what they do, you know, in New York. But if they, you know, happen to bow out in the quarterfinals on Thursday, they're going to end up as a four or a five seed, I think, because there's just going to be too much competition in the other conferences, you know, to kind of push them down, you know, you know, from that spot on the three line. Especially with the injuries, and they do consider that in the selection committee yep. meetings. You're not the same team without those guys. That can hurt your seed line as well. Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. I am curious right now, how many do you have in on bloggingthebracket.com real quick from the Big 12 going into the tournament? Do you have six that are in there right now or seven? What do you have? Well, I actually have seven teams. They're all locks. I mean, there's nobody's seeded lower than seventh. I don't think anybody's going to be seeded lower than seventh out of the Big 12. Maybe Oklahoma if they happen to lose to Iowa, to Iowa State in the opening round on Wednesday. But, yeah, you've got more teams, I think, that are kind of crowding, you know, the top 16, you know, more than anybody else. Kind of on the level of the Big 10, the, the top is very, very good at that conference. All right. So uh, we'll keep an eye on the Big 12 where Baylor's obviously the favorite, but you got Kansas who's dangerous, West Virginia on and on, Kate Cunningham and Oklahoma State coming on yeah. as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, listen, uh, I want to play a little more in or out. Uh, the the Pac-12, I got about a minute left. Yeah. Yes, USC looks good. Colorado looks good. Uh, you may tell me Oregon looks good. Is UCLA mm-hmm. in or out? Is is Oregon definitely in in the Chris Daubertine blogging the bracket scenarios? Yeah, right now it's a four-bed league, and they're all locked. So Oregon winning the regular season title got them there. And then the combination of the Bruins' position and what happened nat- nationally, even though they lost to, to USC, on Saturday, they're a lock at this point. Stanford's the only team that would have to play their way in, and they've got a lot to do in Vegas. Interesting. So it, we'll see how it all plays out for the Pac-12 as the week unfolds. Again, bloggingthebracket.com. Love the insight of Chris Daubertine. Whenever you're on with me, my friend, promise me I get to borrow you again around Selection Sunday later this week, et cetera, as we rock along on college basketball coast-to-coast. Thank you. Absolutely, TJ. Love his insight. Love Deshaun Tate from Tate's Take Hoops. Again, this show streams on TuneIn, bottom and top of each hour on the Tag Sports Group channel. Also, subscribe to the podcast version of College Basketball Coast to Coast on Apple Podcasts. For now, we're done. Enjoy the Tuesday and Tuesday night games and the Wednesday of Championship Week. I am just TJ Reeves, and I'm excited to watch all the hoops on College Basketball Coast to Coast.